Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. Hey, Alex, what's up? I got to go to Calgary finally and hang out with Amy. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't want to go over everything because we did so many things. But I just don't think you painted enough of a picture about your apartment. I didn't know it had all of these amenities. Like your apartment, I love how you've decorated your personal apartment. I miss that blue couch so much so comfortable the building has all of these amenities that i didn't even know like a workshop space mm-hmm. that part blew me away more than the pet spa where you can wash <laughs> your dogs you can blow dry them in there. yeah like a whole like library sitting lounge area and the gym is like fully stocked yeah like it's a whole resort almost and i just thought it was incredible and i think all apartments should have that because not a lot of people are owning or can only afford to own yeah i I just thought it was incredible virtual golf yeah the list goes on it honestly i'm glad you got to see it for yourself it's a huge experience and especially living like right downtown it's such a joy it's the joy of my everyday and i feel like it's put me on a different tier of like lifestyle that it makes it very hard to go to my job. Like I have a really difficult time because I'm like, why would I want to leave my beautiful space? Like I could fill my whole day here. Yeah. Honestly, you don't even need to leave your building. When it was so cold, I was like, did anyone even leave? Probably not. You could have built a whole table in the basement if you wanted to. You didn't even see it in its full glory, which is the summertime with the outdoor pool and deck scene. Like that is unreal. No, absolutely. And like your pictures, your posts and stuff from the summertime, I was like, oh, looks really cool. Going there, I was like, I think I should pay you money to be here because I'm having a vacation. And instead, you just ate all my chocolate while you were here. So I left (laughs) you money to buy more. (laughs) Amy, what's up with you? I jumped on the wagon of not drinking for January. While I came to that decision to do that, I was like kind of questioning myself like, At this age as an adult, I don't know what a whole year even looks like not drinking anymore. So I am not drinking for the entire time up to my 35th birthday, which is in June, June 9th, in case all of you don't remember, mark your calendars. I think we were really lucky in Stetler. We made a great group of friends that have kind of left that drinking scene. It kind of pushed us to hike a lot, to do a lot more games nights, to do a lot more outdoor activity events. I realized how easy it so ingrained into my world that I'm just like actively choosing not to and everywhere I go people have been really supportive like even restaurants it's been fun to like try out all their mocktails and so I've been enjoying it and I've been able to make a lot more clear day-to-day decisions especially when it comes to my emotions so that's really cool so good for me I was just gonna say good for you but uh, (laughs) good for you (laughs) Alex do you know what actually really pushed me to do it was um when we were here and we kept talking about how puffy our face was post. <laughs> I was icing my face. Yeah. But like post like New Year's Eve, we were like, I was puffy from drinking for like 
two days. I could well, not. I was not sleeping it. well. I am not a city girl. I had to have an eye mask. I was like, I should have got earplugs because I could not sleep. I mean, to be fair, my apartment is basically a glass cube, right? Like, and I'm on two main streets. So I do think if you're not used to this sound, it will keep you awake all, all night long. So I wasn't sleeping, was drinking, but I was icing this face. Look at it now. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> But good for you. I'm excited to watch watch you on your journey. And I'm excited to like push myself. I might go the whole year. So stay tuned <laughs> for sure for six months. That's what's up. This week, so excited to have some guests that we've had on before. Mike and Ty. We wanted to talk to Ty and Mike because they both own businesses and we didn't really get to talk about business with either of them when they came on, not as as in depth. So Mike, along with his wife, Alexis, has Lawler Jewelry in Stettler. And then Ty owns Simply Amish Furniture in Edmonton. And we want to talk to both of them because I think they wear quite a lot of hats and do a lot with business. And the thing that I love about Ty and Mike is when I met Mike, I was like, this is just Stetler tie. I need them to meet. What better people to have on than the same people? Let's talk about some business. Well, welcome to today's episode. We are so excited to have both Ty and Mike, former guests, longtime listeners. Can you give us a little intro before we get started about who you are and your business? So we'll jump with you, Ty. All right. My name's Ty. You might know me from episode 49, Electric Feels, where I (laughs) talked all about my electric car in exhaustive detail. I own an Amish furniture store in Edmonton. I've owned it for 10 years and I've worked there for 12 years now. Awesome. Mike. My name is Mike Lawler. I obviously work at Lawler Jewelry, which is the company that my wife and I own. We're third generation in our family, but first generation in regards to goldsmithing and designing and creating jewelry. So we've been at it for about a decade now since we moved back to Settler and kind of took over the family business. And uh, it's kind of become our passion and our hobby and our job all in one. Very cool. Well, to get us kickstarted, we're going to actually ask you what is the most small town thing about you but alex has to jump in too so alex i helped her out with this one when she came to visit calgary so it was a very like country mouse city mouse experience me in calgary and we were out for dinner and police officers work in cities we understand that but then these gang suppression people came in and they just had like gang suppression written on their backs. And I was like, what is this? This Halloween costume? And Amy's like, no, like they just come in to like suppress the gangs. And I didn't even know that was a thing that people did. Also, they are so sexy. Like I've been messaging Alex every time that I run into them. Like it's, yeah, it's not just a joke. I don't know if they just find the sexiest officers where they're like, yep, you'd be good for gang suppression. Like jump on this. I remember when we saw them at New Year's, I was like dancing like up to the window and I always like try and like wave at them and like, hi. But they're legitimately tracking gangsters of the city. So it's really- lots of men in uniform, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I I think that if you want to get their attention, Join a gang. <laughs> Definitely the right choice. Definitely the right choice. 
fair, honestly. <laughs> oh my gosh. What about uh, you, Mike? What's the most small town thing? Most small town thing about me uh, is probably actually the reason we moved to a small town. So when we were deciding back when my oldest son, Nathaniel, was going into grade one, where we wanted to live and where we wanted him to go to school, we decided, you know what, let's go back to the small town. You know, we can have these kids, we can raise our family. And we know that in a small town, there'll always be someone to look out for them in a bad situation or a good. And uh, that moment finally proved true when my son got in his first car accident this past week and uh, rear-ended someone just coming out of the school parking lot. And, you know, fender bender, nothing big, but, you know, typical kid, you panic, you get a little nervous. And fortunately, the gentleman who he accidentally rear-ended got out of the vehicle and said, oh, you know, it's okay. Don't worry. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, can I get your name? Can I get your phone number? He's like, he's like gives him his name, the Nathaniel All or whatever. And he goes, Oh, that's okay. I know your mom and dad. We'll we'll talk later. Oh, don't worry about it. Just just go. I know you got to get to work. Sends him off to work, and he goes. So that was that was the most small town thing about me. It was definitely like we moved here to have someone look out for our kids. And now when we rear end someone, it's like there's someone there to look out for our kids. <laughs> yeah, there is like those kind of elements. Sometimes I miss absolutely. That's what I really miss: rear yeah. end people, and... except for when you're in the grocery yeah. store. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, you wanted to go last, so I'll jump in. I deleted all my dating apps before I came to the city or like just up coming into the city because I was like, I'm finally here. I'm in the big pool now. So it's been good. But I remember being in Stetler in the small town and one of my hinge like starter prompts were like, teach me something new. Like, I just love when people do that. I had a student, a former student of mine who I coach right back being like, Miss Smith, I'll teach you blah, blah, blah. And like went off. And I was like, ew, <laughs> like, absolutely no. And like, I was just like, oh, and like my age range settings were like, high. like, how did they but that's because the pool was so small. I was did just they like, call you Miss Smith in the message? I think they actually called me Amy Smith, okay. but the strategy. <laughs> Honestly, it was just so like, ugh. but yeah, anyways, that was like, Alex was like, please mention that, <laughs> but apps no more for me. So they're gone. But oh Ty, God. what about you? Most small town thing. Ooh, today we'll go with the most small town thing about me is that uh, one of the first times I met Mike, we found out that we knew a lot of the same people because because we both did the same thing. When you grow up in a small town, you move to the nearest large city and go work in the mall. Nope. So uh, <laughs> when, when we chatted about that, we found out that it, we had a, a pretty similar experience and to the point that knew all the same mall people, so. Yeah, but not each other. That's the <laughs> wild other. part. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you just, definitely just cross paths. Everybody else. I think we definitely cross paths. That's the that's the life of Bauer Mall though. See, we were on almost opposite ends a little bit. We're we're True. we're pretty far apart that way. And yeah. I definitely ruled my wing, but I have a feeling you ruled your wing as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did what I could, yeah. <laughs> Well, this format today is exciting. We have you each bring forward a topic and we're kind of just going to contribute in different ways, but we lined it up. So Mike's going to actually hit us with his topic first about business and business related talks today. So I guess my topic that I had kind of thought about and wanted to bring to the table about owning a business and trying to run your business was a rule that was taught to me pretty young, actually, when I was uh, in only management at that point. This was from my one of my mentors. And he kind of said to me, when you own a business for the first five, maybe 10 years of your business, there's going to be an 80-20 rule. And he says, but 
after that five to 10 years, you need to flip the 80, 20. And I was like, what, what is 80? What is 20? What are we doing? You know? And he said, you know, when you start in your business, you're going to need to work all the time. You're going to need to do the things you're going to need to learn the industry. You're going to need to make sure your team's set up. And he said, the other 20% of the time you will get to spend working on your business, you know, and that's really kind of that classification of trying to build it, trying to grow it, trying to, you know, expand your offering or expand your market. And he said, you know, that's super important. He says, you can't start the other way around, but you have to put in that time first. And he said, the hardest part is is once you get into that groove or into that grind and you're doing that for five years, you're doing that for 10 years, he says you have to be able to break out of that and flip that and go to the other 80-20 where you're working in your business 20% of the time, working on your business 80% of the time. I can tell you right now, I am 10 years in and I am working in my business 120% of the time. (laughs) And it's incredibly challenging, but I keep that conscientiously in my mind, you know, knowing and striving that that is the goal. I really want to get to that point of being able to work in my business, building it and working in it and doing the day-to-day things 20% of the time and doing that other 80% of the time spent building my business and working on the deeper sides of it. Now, what I've learned is that my industry specifically being jewelry marketing and jewelry designing and goldsmithing and stuff like that, it's always going to require a lot more hands-on effect than I thought it would originally. But that being said, just shifting my focus of like spending that time creating my line and doing our Lawler Love creations and designs, spending that time doing one-on-one consultations on higher-end projects and stuff like that, as opposed to just working in and changing every battery and doing every custom job that comes through the door. Every customer that comes through our door will always be super duper important to us, but we want to assemble a team that can grow and grow with us and really kind of start to manage the hull and man the ship so that we can kind of continue to grow this company and and take it into the next level that way. So I don't know, Ty, like in your experience and in your industry, how's the 80-20 rule working for you? Because I can tell you what, it's a hard one, man. I love the idea, but it's a hard one. I think I'm really crushing that 120 rule where you just, uh, (laughs) delegating is really hard. I'm a bit of a control freak and you know trusting other people with your business is super difficult and even if like you know deep inside that you're not the best person to be doing that specific task and that you hired someone specifically so that they can do this thing that you're not great at it's still super hard to give up control on that but i definitely understand the necessity to get in that situation where you can spend time building the brand and improving kind of like fine-tuning the business instead of just putting out fires and doing busy work. There's always stuff to do. I often think to myself, I'm like, you know what, maybe maybe I'm never going to get to that full 80-20 rule. But even if it's a 60-40 or, or a 50-50 split, I mean, damn, that would be crazy. Like, I, I think about my world right now, and it's like, if I was down to 50% working in and 50% working on, I'm like, that would even be a hell of a ratio, you know? Well, no, this just reminds me of, we talked to an, a different business owner in Wainwright. She said she had such a hard time because she started flipping her 80-20, and she felt she had assembled, like, a really good team to be kind of the face of the store and she could work behind the scenes more but then she found like customers being really felt like not as connected because they wanted her face basically and she was like it's just not I'm not able to be the face every day in there and do everything behind the scenes and she kept saying like I just wanted my customers to trust that I also built a team that was an extension of me but I see that like when I went into Lawler's and if you and Alexis aren't there then I'm like what 
what am I doing here? <laughs> it is it is tricky, and that's and that's the hardest part. And I think that that speaks to exactly the struggles that people face with doing this. Is like you know you have to have a team that's just as amazing that people warm up to and get to know and familiar faces that when they come in, it's who they're used to seeing. And I think that's the hardest part. Ty. You're right. Like you know everyone says this is like it's your business. You can never expect anyone to work it as hard as you will at it. And I agree a hundred percent. But that doesn't mean that the crew that we have can't be amazing. Like I mean we take a professional development course that every one of our staff members expected to complete to be qualified as a graduate jeweler. You know, we're really working towards the point where our customers are used to dealing with our staff and familiar and comfortable dealing with our staff, knowing that they're knowledgeable that way too. Because, you know, our customer base, what we found since the pandemic and and the whole shift in our business is that like our pandemic woke us up and realized like, okay, this isn't just customers walking through the door anymore. This is customers meeting us online. This is customers ordering directly online. This is customers, you know, only knowing us through social media and ordering from the States, you know? And so as much as we will always have our local clientele and we will always have our bread and butter clients in Stetler that we really work with and, and know well and know on a first name basis, it's growing dramatically. And I mean, that's just honestly, thanks to one of the world's greatest tragedies that we've seen. And it's something that we can kind of look forward to and kind of go, okay, as long as we're able to stay with this growth and offer this quality, it's really kind of cool to see how your staff can kind of shift their roles and responsibilities of where they used to just wait for someone to walk through the door and help the next person, you know, but where they can start to work with you towards that growth online and in the e-commerce world. It's, it's a really wild thing for sure. I think you mentioned like two words that really just become one is the man who mentored you. I think you were saying he was your mentor. He guided you in this business practice. And it's like you as the business leader have to then transform into the mentorship role where you're going to mentorship your team below you to rise up to that level. But like having finished my master's, that was a big thing in leadership is defining the difference between what managing is and what leadership is. It is tough to like delegate that work and to have that trust with your team, but also it's really hard to just, and this is one of the terms that I learned was like, assuming conscious competence in your team. Like you have to just go in thinking this person can do it and I believe in them and I'm going to mentor them. And I, I, it's an investment so that you can start to grow in the ways that you want to as well. So the statement of conscious competence is so relevant because it really is like when you start to believe in people and empower them, they can surprise you more often than not, you know, and more often than not, that surprise is in the positive column. That mentor that I had, the thing that I always appreciated the most about him was that from the ground up, it was always pushing me uphill. What can he do? What's he up to? What's his next step? You know, and knowing that how much that helped me believing that I can empower my staff and my crew to do that. We've just got two brand new staff starting with us in the last few weeks. I can see the potential already. And even in just in the moments of like, you know, training where you're like, okay, here's what a gemstone is. It's amazing to see what people can really do if you let them loose and start to see, see what they're capable of. Ty, you're maybe coming from a different perspective there because you're staff and crew is yourself and your business partner. <laughs> so do you have a bit of a different take on it? Yeah, definitely like a, a more recent change for us. Pre-COVID, we had staff that I could get to do things. And now I don't have staff. <laughs> yeah. It's overall been, my mental health excluded, it's overall been a really positive change. <laughs> you know, <laughs> our, our margins have never been better. And 
every customer gets real hands-on face-to-face uh, treatment with this guy but yeah it's it's taken a toll and i do miss the days when i had really competent staff that i could trust implicitly that uh like linda worked for me for five years and she was excellent there was a lot of things she was better at than i am mostly like customer follow-up she was just excellent at continually reaching out to customers and just kind of holding their hands all the way through and making sure they really felt good about that and that's one of those things i would love to do but it just kind of falls by the wayside while i'm trying to put all the other fires out so um yeah it'd be nice to have some staff again one day (laughs) The one bonus I find is if you comment on Simply Amish Instagram, you will get directly tie. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> the topic I'm bringing to the table today is how fear impacts businesses. And the reason I thought about this is because whenever you make any kind of leap or change, I think you're always in the back of your head. There's this moment of What if I don't succeed? What if, you know, this is a flop? And I think about a lot of my friends who have businesses, they have families, they have wives, they have so many other supports in their life that they're also responsible to uphold. And I also think about how fear not only can extinguish your sense of confidence in business, but it also ends up being such a motivator for you to push through and ensure that you will not fail. I am one of those business owners that has a family and has gone through, you know, like a major economic downturn in our province. So have definitely been in that situation where it has been like, you do it, you put in the hours, you lose sleep, you lose weight, you do what you need to do and get it done. But when you come through something like that, it's like, okay, cool. This is You know, I'm looking around me, I have half a dozen other competitors that all closed down in the last like year or so, and we made it, we're still here. So it's incredibly motivating once you get through that really, really scary part and you see blue skies and it's like, okay, I I can do this. Yeah, I I relate to that a ton, Ty. Like, I mean, it's, and that's why I always look at entrepreneurs and I'm like, I see you hustler. I see you out there (laughs) hustling, you know, because it's, you just know, like there's just no fail. And that's, and I don't think you can be an entrepreneur if you're not ready to like, if that's going to break your spirit, man, it's going to be a lot harder than that, you know, but like (laughs) same thing, the, the panty, as I've referred to it now, that was a, when we were forced to close our doors, that was a trying time. And it's like, it's very interesting because I want to read the topic the first time, you know, I knew this is a side of it that I felt and and I agree with you 100% on, but like the first instinct that came to me was actually a little bit of the different side of the fear motivating thing because it's like, I'm a maker as well as a business owner too. So my first instinct is like more along the lines of like, when I'm creating and making our line, especially before I had Alexis's help, because let's be honest, she's our creative director. She tells me, she answers that question of what do women want? And, and that helps us out a lot when we're creating and designing jewelry for them. But you know, when I, when I was making things originally and starting to design stuff for our line that we were going to put in our showcases and sell to people, um, and it wasn't commissioned by a specific person, there was that nerve factor of like, is anyone going to like this? Like, I know people like it when I make one-offs for them and make it exactly the way they want it, but are people going to want my creations and and part of our Lawler love line as we've expanded out that direction and it's definitely crippling you know like i mean that's that's why i really liked your word like is it a motivator or is it crippling you know and and it was really truly honestly with the support of alexis in my business where i was able to get that reassurance of like yes 
That is awesome. Yes, people are going to like it. If we design it, you use your skill of design and, and creation and goldsmithing and diamond setting and doing this to create these pieces, we can use our creative outlet to kind of use that and grow and kind of continue to go that way too. So as much as it was crippling, I think at certain points, being a maker that way too, it's very interesting to see how it can be both crippling and super motivating when you're on the other side of it, looking at the pandemic and surviving it as a business owner. You're like, all right, throw something at me, world. Let's see what you got. You know, maybe I shouldn't tempt fate, but you know, it's <laughs> one of those, like you get on the other side of it. You're like, yeah, this is a motivator for sure. For the record, I love the Lawler line and <laughs> I would love my future lover to purchase a ring from there so I could be a Lawler love story. So oh, just, just want to put that. that out there. We love that. We'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, can you bring uh, your topic to the forefront? Yeah. So it dovetails really nicely with the 120 rule. And it's uh, when you own a business, you're kind of just here, as Amy puts it, you're always turned on. <laughs> <laughs> I had too yeah, much fun rating yours. <laughs> you're just always on. So great example. Yesterday was my day off and I was at work because there's no one else to do it and no one else is going to care like you do. When you're the one who is responsible for everything happening, it's never all the way out of your mind. You know, you're doing social media from home or you're working on, you know, different ad copy from home or you're just always kind of thinking about it every time you, you see something or you see some ad from a competitor or something. It's always just gets the brain turning and you're, you're never not at work, even if you're at home. That's, that's so real, dude. Like, I mean, when I started in business, I was very fortunate to be super hungry and and whatever, but it wasn't really until I fell into design where I realized that that always on factor is it can consume you. And like, I'm, I would say I'm on the very fortunate side that like my job is also my passion and hobby. I get to make arts and crafts with expensive materials that people get to keep for generations to come, you know, and I love doing it. So when I get home, we might be talking about our website or you might be talking about a new design or I might be watching a YouTube video of how to set a diamond like this or or watching another maker create something. But it is because I'm passionate about it. And that is the struggle, though, is like it's finding that balance because, you know, when you're home and for Alexis and I, you're together 24, 7, 365. <laughs> it, it is a reality. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I can't relate more time. Like, I mean, today, Wednesday, it's it's my day off. And I've been here since 7 a.m. and I'm still here right through till tonight, you know? Like I think it's one of those things where I remind myself it's like I'm doing it because I love it. When Alexis joined our company and we realized, okay, we're gonna be around each other 24-7, we're gonna be around work 24-7. How do we get home and shut it off? We we started to use a meal service uh, because I mean it was like the old school, like okay, we just both got home from work. I'm not going to think about supper. You're not going to think about supper. What are we going to do? So we started using a meal service. And that was our rule was we're going to get home. The kids are going to do what they're going to do while we cook. We're going to discuss our day, talk about the stuff that's happened, what needs to get done tomorrow, what annoyed us in the office, even though we already know because we were side by side the whole day. And then when supper served, we sit down and we don't talk business anymore for the rest of the night. And I mean, I'll still have a customer message me because Ty, you know, Instagram. <laughs> Facebook's 24, 7, 365, you know, but it's a good rule. And I mean, sometimes we stumble, but if you're, if you're conscious about it, it gives you that opportunity to be like, what matters right now is the kids. What matters right now is us. It takes that conscious effort that we really kind of put forward to be like, okay, we have to shut it off. Cause if we don't, we're both 
hustlers, motivated people, same way you are, Ty, like Amy, Alex, you don't do a podcast for fun, for nothing, for all that, if you're not a hustler, right? You do that <laughs> if you love it and it drives you and it can consume you. And it's, it is about finding that balance of like, work is this valuable, but I need to have this personal time to recharge as well, too. Honestly, I feel like I relate so much as a teacher where mm -hmm. it's such a you're on all the time job and outside of teaching, you're working on teaching all the time. And this is why I think everyone needs summer holidays. Yeah, but wait, like, don't you get two months off? <laughs> well, I think the world, everyone needs summer holidays somehow. We need to make this work, people, because it is such a relief when you can just push to the end and then have no responsibilities. But even then, I burnt myself out and I'm taking a whole year off. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Praise to all the teachers out there because, I mean, my kids are amazing. I love them to death. But God, I couldn't stand a classroom of everyone's <laughs> kids all the time, all day. You two have both been educators for quite a few years. Do you have any tips that you fall back on kind of like Mike said he and Alexis do for just setting a really hard boundary? I know one for me was when I finally realized Jenny and I went on a trip out to the East Coast. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna turn off work email notifications on my phone. And you know what, the world didn't end. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I don't actually need these on ever. Because if it was important, they'd call me. And an email is like kind of one of those things. It's like, hey, this can wait. So like, what have you two done that has kind of set that good boundary for you where you like leave the day at the day or leave the school at the school? I have to do that. I set boundaries really big with school because teaching is something where like you are praised for being the one that stays till 9 or 10 p.m. <laughs> like amazing, you're a best teacher. And I'm like, mm, I'm still a really good teacher, but I leave after the buses. Like I do as much as I can within the day. You have prep time. It's not a lot <laughs> because half the time there's a bloody nose and a kid peed their pants, but you can get prep time done then. And same, my office hours are school hours only. If you need to contact me, you can email me at 10 p.m., but I'm not going to look at it. Because even if I look at it and don't respond, it takes up mental space. I want to say that Alex is way better at this and has practiced longer than me. For myself, it has taken me a decade to orientate that. Because for me, I d I've done a lot of coaching. I hustle on the side. I've invested in real estate. I did my master's program while I'm working full-time. I'm just one of those people like, I'm never just doing one thing. I'm always doing like, all the things. <laughs> so I noticed for me, one thing that helps is like actually actively taking a break. Boundaries is like a, just a huge thing. You can listen to our other episode about that. Okay, Alex, hit us with your last one. For me, the biggest thing with the podcast, we have a hard time with marketing and I more so wanted guidance in like how you market and how you think we should market ourselves better with zero budget. <laughs> we have no income. We only have the opposite of that outcome. Yeah. <laughs> is that how that works? Is that I don't know if that's how that works, but I, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of money on marketing and don't know much more than the girls do at this point. So <laughs> I'll tell you where to save money, I guess. <laughs> My big goal for 2023 is actually to stop spending money on Facebook because I have just noticed more and more diminishing returns. And also, I think we're getting to the point that our target clientele is not on Facebook as much. The longer I do the business, the closer I get to the age that is my clientele. And I realize that people my age just generally aren't spending time on Facebook as much as we used to. So, But that being said, Facebook's still a great 
tool if you use it smartly. And and by that, I mean, put in as little time and effort as possible, but make sure you're still visible. My 2023 plan is we're, we're spending a lot more time on Instagram doing stuff there. So my current goal, once again, like a, a zero dollar goal on that is just be visible and have content that actually speaks to people. I've so, noticed your stories yeah. are a lot more interactable. There you go. You You can do stuff. And honestly... Instagram made some big changes in the last little while. You used to have to have 10,000 followers to be able to post a link in stories, which was super limiting for small businesses because it was like, okay, I guess I'll just grind my way to 10,000 followers and in five years I can put a link in my stories, right? So (laughs) now anyone can do a link in their stories. You don't need to have some magic threshold. So we've been doing a lot more Instagram stories and just general posts. And then it's really easy to cross post from Instagram to Facebook. So even if we're not putting any effort necessarily into Facebook, we're still, you know, visible there. So that's been a big one. But the number one thing I find all the time is how many businesses just do a crap job uh, with all the free stuff, claiming your Google pages. When you Google it and it shows your picture and your location and all your hours. So many businesses do a bad job of that or updating their hours for like holidays and that sort of thing, making themselves hard to contact or not having their contact information really prevalent is really tricky, bad websites. But the nice thing is with like a great website company that would maybe eventually sponsor you guys. It's easy to build a website and you don't even need a credit card for the free trial. <laughs> it's Squarespace. Maybe they'll yeah, sponsor no, Okay, we're not sponsored by Squarespace. You can't say that. <laughs> like when we my we like hope. a food subscription. <laughs> I think you're right, Ty. Like, I mean, so much of that rings true for us. Lots of small businesses totally forget the the simple stuff. Ty, like you said, you know, marketing's expensive. And uh I've always said in marketing, I'm like, let's do more with less, you know, and it's easier said than done, but we spend way less than I think any other jewelry store that I know. You know, we obviously still spend, we have to, but when it comes to e-commerce and social media, we built our e-commerce website in 2015. Like, did it matter in 2015? No, you know, that didn't matter until 2020, but we had five years worth of e-commerce experience by the time 2020 rolled around. When we were looking at social media, before Alexis joined, I was doing the best I could. We were taking photographs with, you know, macro lenses on our iPhones and, and trying to set up scenes and do those shots. And as she stepped in, I jokingly call her my work fluencer because she she does all the stuff that way too. The biggest thing that we've built together as we've grown this is that it really is about building a community. That's what I think changed our business was when we stopped posting like, hey, look at this piece of jewelry. Hey, buy this ring. And it was like, hey, we just sold this amazing engagement ring. Here's the couple who got married. Look at their beautiful photos because they're beautiful human beings. And, you know, let's tell you the story about how they got engaged. Like you said, Amy, you become a Lawler love couple. Like it's just engaging with people. And that was kind of the coolest part was like, I was like, oh, this is so simple. And Alexa's like, yeah, it's what we're missing. And, you know, it really was her secret sauce that she brought to us was we need to build this community around it. And she's like, think about the podcast you listen to. And I was like, yep, there's some that I've listened to literally since 2007. And I like, yeah, we're best friends. I know this podcaster, like, you know, they've never heard my name in my life, but like, I know everything about their whole life. And it's because I'm a part of their ecosystem. It's been really cool to kind of see that kind of take off because as you do one good job for one person, the next person hears about it. 
and it becomes a spider web of interconnections. And the coolest part for me is it's stretched across Canada and in the United States now, you know, like we're, we're doing jobs that our little small town shop in Stettler should have no right to do. When you do that work and you create this community, it just grows naturally and it grows organically that way too. But as a podcast, I would say, yeah, hundred percent grows. Like you're already doing it. It's just the not stopping doing it. Just keep doing it, keep doing it because it takes that continuous repetitious grind for that community to continue growing. And I mean, you know, look at it already. Like it's already growing that, that community that way too. Also girls don't stop doing your jar of questions. Cause I like just trying to find the most absurd answer I can possibly put in this. <laughs> don't stop replying with the most inappropriate things. Most of the times I can't share them. I didn't get shared again this week. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's funny. Like literally Mike, I attribute our friendship starting with like a the Lawler business and B having you on the podcast so it's true like and then like became like a really good friendship out of that well that's exactly what Alexis said it's like it's like this beautiful friendship that blossomed out of nowhere and then it's like you and Amy have to move to the fancy cities and we don't have friends anymore (laughs) it's because we don't we didn't have love in Stellar we just had Lawler love no one to buy it for us I had to go to Edmonton and find my love and bring her back here too yes Mike, I'm so glad you said what you said, because what a beautiful end to our business talk episode today, which is the highlight of our season. Like our season, we kind of said, even for this podcast is we're moving away. And people were even like, do you have the right to be small town, not small minds anymore and stuff? And it's like, yes, because in our hearts, we are still small town. We're just all looking for a sense of community and a sense of belonging. So create your community, establish it interact with it and it will grow it applies to all factors of your human life and small town not small minds doesn't matter if you live in the big city you're always a small town kid even in the big city (laughs) yeah yeah when gang suppression comes out you're like they don't have that in (laughs) stellar Well, thank you both of you for making time and everyone follow Ty at Simply Almish Edmonton on Instagram. Don't come on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, don't come on Facebook and uh, Lawler Jewelry, Instagram and maybe Facebook. TikTok for sure. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, yeah. And and even my Mike underscore Lawler on Instagram is really going to be showing a lot more of the goldsmithing side of things too. So that's the more behind the scenes jam. I'm excited. And thank you so much too, even scheduling with all of you and all the hats you wear with your families and your businesses. We are so grateful for the time you can bring on for our podcast. So thank you again. Love you girls. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. After show. I was excited to have Ty and Mike on because honestly, I want the two of them to start a podcast together. And I hope that this maybe sparked their interest in being podcast partners. Yeah. It's like a little parent parent trap of me. Yes, it was giving very <laughs> parent trap vibes. The two have great chemistry and also a lot of similarities as human beings. So I also think it'd be great to hear from very strong men who see the world in a really forward, open-minded way. So boys, get out there and start podcasting. Absolutely. What did you think of talking about business, Amy? 
Well, I was really excited to do this episode as somebody who wants to be their own boss all the time, and I'm working towards things to allow that to happen. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. I love talking about business all the time and the aspects of business. But the thing that stood out to me the most in that whole conversation was the importance of community through both marketing and developing your community, and as well trust when it comes to developing a team and how to grow your business. Yeah, community and trust and the importance of valuing that to grow things is huge. What about you, Alex? Well, I was just thinking when you were saying that you're the business manager part of this duo for a reason. I like, <laughs> I don't think I have the business mindset. I don't think that that's the drive for me is to like have my own business I do like having agency over my work but I like getting into the more creative side of things and I think that's why you and I make a good pair because everything I don't want to do you enjoy doing you know (laughs) but I was keen to have them on because as we look at our podcast just seeing like how we can grow it and I mean it is a bit of a business partnership between you and I And to hear their take, mostly on marketing, I was really interested in hearing that because just listening to other friends who that's their main job is marketing. I'm like, oh, we have a lot we can be doing uh, that I like have just not tapped into. So it's just really interesting to hear how they market and also see like if we can take the podcast in into the new level, the next level. Yeah. Well, we are growing after three years. I think we were close to 600 followers, which is really cool on social media. And we've had lots of small businesses follow our accounts too. It's coming and it's it's been really fun to work on, but we're excited to see where this growth will take us as well. Absolutely. So thanks, Mike and Ty, for being on the show. And be sure to give them a follow on social media. They do some really cool work on Instagram. And I don't know, maybe if you want to give your hosts a little gift, I could use a new bed, some ring, some bling, (laughs) my wish list, send send some stuff to your uh, podcast hosts. That's the thing people do, right? They send gifts. More importantly, go and support these businesses or check them out because that is a huge thing. Not only are they our guests, but also good friends of ours. So thanks again. Jar of questions. What is a song on your bedroom sexy time playlist? (laughs) Okay. So I'll admit I made a sexy time playlist. Ooh. I have not used it, but I have previewed it to some people and the reviews were poor amy oh okay (laughs) i know oh okay didn't see that coming yeah apparently the songs that i think are sexy times are not very good um so it was mainly the 1975 because i thought they have like this kind of like sultry kind of sound but then when it gets down to it it's like you know what you think but you know what you know what i don't remember if you know that song, you'll be like, that's not very sexy. It would get anyone out of the mood. I do so, not recommend using my sexy time playlist. So a lot of 1975, great band. Into yeah, it. great band. Don't have them on my sexy time playlist. The vibes get all over the place. I just remember talking I've... to Nick one time and he's like, yeah, I like listening to the 1975 when I'm depressed and also horny. And I was like, that's exactly it. Then I was <laughs> like, sexy time playlist, all 1975. Okay, well, when you gave me this question, I was scrolling through my list. You know me, I just have everything in a liked 
Spotify list. It's just like a lot of random. Talking about vibes all over the place. Total vibes all over the place. But if we were sticking with like specific songs, I went with For My Hand featuring Ed Sheeran and it's Burn A Boy. And man, he has such a sexy voice. Like it's such a vibe. Like go listen to that song if you haven't already. It's so good. And then the other one that I was totally thinking of There's one about Toxic Pony that's like a remix with Britney Spears. It's by Altego. It's a mashup of Toxic and Pony together. That song is like a whole striptease song. Like it's, it's giving. Well, listeners, we'd love for you to try them out and let us know if they're good or not. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll turn it to you. What's a song for your bedroom sexy time playlist? This podcast is edited by myself, Avery Suffers, and music is mixed by Moons Over Mars. 